Sunday, September 27th. A bright light swung across the bottom of the hole. Falling dirt kissed her cheek, arm, and leg. Persephone, you okay, honey? Can you hear me? Adam? She felt hands. She was settled into a cushiony surface that cradled her neck and hips. She felt tightness around her shoulders, waist, thighs, shins, then floated, twisting and evaporating as sounds became crisper and the air became cooler. Is she okay? She'll be fine. Ankle's bad, but all the important arteries are intact. But to be sure, we need to get her to the hospital for x-rays. We're going to sedate her for the pain. Dad, where's Adam? Is he, is he still young? Her dad brushed the hair out of her eyes. Percy, honey, just rest. We'll talk about Adam very soon. Monday, September 28th. Percy felt curious about the hazy white light. It reminded her of the time she'd worn a friend's eyeglasses. The strong prescription made everything look snowy, which made her feel cozy. Like when school is canceled and the world is quiet and white. The coziest she could ever remember being was cuddled up on the couch on a snow day, waiting for her mom to return with a cup of tomato soup and toasted cheese sandwich. Mm. Mm. Hey, there she is. Dad, what is going on? You got hurt, Percy. Mm. But everything is absolutely okay. Broke your ankle and had a tiny concussion. You've been sleeping for a little while, but everything is just fine. I fell into a hole. With a stunted exhale and eyes as wide as her heavy lids would allow, she searched the room for Adam. Dad, where's... Where's Adam? It's a long story, honey. I'll tell you all about it. Tell me now? Okay, yeah, okay. Well, the short version, honey, is I recognize the name you mentioned. Adam. Adam Denville. Did you see him? See him? No, honey. No. Uh, when you would first mentioned Adam, his name sounded familiar, but I couldn't put my finger on it. You didn't come home for dinner, and I got worried, so to pass the time and to distract me, I looked him up. Turns out, way back in 1983, Adam's dad, Nicholas Denville, was a patient in one of my clinic shifts during grad school. Interesting case. He was 82 at the time, and tragically disturbed. Erratic violence interspersed with moments of serene lucidity. He told me he was possessed, and that the forest that surrounded his own home was haunted. He did a lot of work out in the woods on carpentry projects, furniture, a shed, treehouse for his son. And when he was out there, he kept having these foreboding feelings of being watched. Soon he started seeing things in the trees. Figures with sweeping cloaks riding horses that reared up at him. Naturally, freaked him out. But he was a stubborn man. His wife wanted them to leave, but he refused to give up his home. It wasn't until he got so distracted by the hauntings and sliced two of his fingers off with his saw that his wife forced her hand. 
Uh, I didn't mean to be punny there. Percy's dad stopped when he noticed her eyes were closed. Honey, I'll let you rest. No, Dad, please keep going. I really need to know. Okay, then. Well, in 1938, the Denvilles packed everything up and moved to Wisconsin. But poor Nicholas could never shake the visions. He saw gaping faces in the clothes and closets and demons in shower steam. He medicated with whiskey until his sons all left and his wife passed away. At that point, he broke. He hitchhiked his way back here, meaning to return to his old home. But they found him on Main Street, and he was eventually committed. Every doctor who touched the case shrugged it off as just another crazy old man. It eventually got handed to me, the lowly grad student. I suppose I was meant to fritter away in the library, settle on a generic diagnosis, and then file a report, but there was something very sincere about this man. I was curious. I dug around. Eventually found out the house he'd fled, with its haunted woods, had later been identified as an access point for natural gas. Vast amounts had been seeping up out of the ground under which he did his carpentry work. Like fog in a disco, but invisible and psychedelic. The gas had made him hallucinate, and after months of exposure gave him permanent brain damage. When I told him about it, he just looked at me, just stared and asked, so the ghosts were real? I thought about it and nodded, because they were real. Real for him. The violent fits never came back, and in less than a week, he died peacefully in his sleep. This was, you're saying, Adam's dad? Yes, and when I realized the connection, I... Well, honey, you seemed attached to Adam. It seemed like you two had a real bond, which I thought was wonderful. A real benefit from having to volunteer in Shady Pines. You'd said he was 18, but I figured you just felt weird about having an elderly friend. I think intergenerational friendships are wonderful. But when you didn't come home on Sunday, I worried. When I put it together about who his dad was, I started thinking maybe this guy also had some mental problems and maybe you were in danger. So I popped over to Shady Mines and asked around. It turned out, unfortunately, that... Sweetheart, this will be hard to hear. Adam had died. What? No. Percy's eyes flashed open. They'd only assumed he was dead. He did go missing, but only for a short time. He'd wandered out into the woods behind the facility last Tuesday afternoon. When they found him Wednesday morning, he was disoriented. Kept saying he wanted to die in his treehouse. Once the nurses got him back into his bed... He kept asking if he was up in the trees. They told him, yes, he surely was. Apparently, that relaxed him, and he said something like, anything is possible up here, and I'm so happy to be young again. Percy didn't speak, so her dad continued. I still didn't know where you were, and your phone was going straight to voicemail, so I drove over to Adam's old house. The address was in my patient notes in his dad's file. I wandered around and found a well-worn trail through the grass, which led to the treehouse, and another through the woods beyond. That one led to a clearing. It didn't take me long to find the hole. Almost fell down there myself. Your pulse felt fine, but I was worried about your spine, so I called 911. While we waited, you said Adam's name a few times. Percy's dad watched her eyeballs twitch through heavy eyelids. Her brows looked like trapped caterpillars. Knowing words were brewing, he settled in to wait. I don't 
understand. Adam was real. Of course he was real. No, my Adam. Young Adam. He was 18. He and I both saw it. Saw him get young again. I knew it was crazy, but it was real. Percy, I'm not sure I can say what's real or not. I can say that if you spent a significant amount of time near that clearing, you were likely exposed to whatever caused Adam's dad's hallucinations. Do you want to tell me more tonight, or do you want to rest a while, talk more tomorrow? I feel like I'm already asleep. I'm not even sure this is real. Percy dreamt of Adam's face. His disembodied face floating in the clouds, tethered to Fort Knox like a balloon. She shimmied up the rope to his head. She climbed using short, dark spikes of stubble as hand and footholds. She arrived at a lip and disembarked onto terrain that was tender as new leather. There were two tunnels on her left, which simultaneously exhaled warm air, then tried to pull her in, then blew more warm air, then tried to pull her in again. After rushing past them, she took a sharp left and climbed a narrow, rounded peak of slippery, waxy hill. When she reached the high ground, she saw two vast pools sitting side by side, hedged by wispy reeds. Periodically, a membrane swiftly covered, then revealed those pools. Each had a shore of white surrounding a ring of bright blue in a deep black center. She crept toward the blue pool on her right, tentatively tiptoeing along its spongy white shore. When she reached the icy blue ring, she lost her footing and slid in a spiral closer and closer to the black center. She felt as if she'd plunged into soft jello. <gasps> and felt him all around her. Adam. Still here, Persephone. Always here. Tuesday, September 29th. Percy's dad arrived early the next morning. The healthiest breakfast in town for the loveliest patient in the world. As she rubbed her eyes, he said, Oh no, did I wake you? No, the nurses keep checking on me. They try to be quiet, but do I smell bacon? She propped herself up and he grinned, proudly unpacking a freshly cooked omelet, still hot biscuits, Crispy bacon and butter. As they ate, she told him about her last few months as if relaying a dream. She told him about tea time with Adam, the cookies, about the necklace he'd given her. She recounted his dramatic transformation and how she smuggled him out of Shady Pines in the trunk of her car. She told her nodding father about Fort Knox 
pond, the garden, the baby goats, the composting toilet. The way he listened while casually chewing biscuit and omelet allowed her to slowly realize on her own that the words coming out of her mouth She feared she'd be transferred from that hospital into another with softer walls and more constricting uniform. When he asked her to tell him how long she'd been visiting Adam at Fort Knox, she closed her eyes and tightened her lids. We grew cucumbers from seed. I planted the seeds, watched them grow, and ate them. So it would have to have been months. Purse, this may be hard to hear, but you only first mentioned Adam to me last week. Last Sunday, which was only nine days ago. Dad, that feels completely impossible. Sweetheart, the season for cucumbers starts in July. It's still September. October starts in two days. Oh, I can't really argue with that. Saturday, October 10th. Kirby had called, texted, and emailed but Percy refused to let him visit until she was out of the hospital. When she got home and gave him the green light, he arrived almost immediately with a tray of homemade macaroni and cheese. How's my cuckoo banana's best buddy, buddy? Hey, watch yourself. They just took the straitjacket off an hour ago. I could pop at any minute. Seriously? No. So, for real, you okay? I will be when you give me a fork. He presented a fork after a mini karate move. Thanks. Percy aggressively stabbed into the macaroni. How did your mom make it so cheesy gooey on the bottom, but crunchy on top? That is her most supreme superpower. So, Percy, break it down for me. Everyone is saying you bumped uglies with a geezer at Shady Pines, but you told me he was 18. So which is it? Can it be both? She raised her eyebrows, crossed her eyes, and launched a bite of mac and cheese into her gaping smile. It felt good to be goofy about it all. Kirby's eyebrows gathered together. Two guys? Percy squeezed her eyes shut and shook her head. Well, Percy, last time I checked, a geezer couldn't be 18. He can if you're tipping on a really potent hallucinogen. Kirby stared with a blank face. Who are you, and what have you done with my prim, proper, prudish pal, Percy? (laughs) Percy laughed and felt the weight of shame fall away like a snakeskin. A crinkly, scratchy film had been stuck to her for months, ever since she stole that douchey Bluetooth headset. When it slipped away, she was surprised at how insubstantial it had actually been. If only she'd known that sooner. Let's just say the book my dad's going to write about me will land him movie rights. Can I play the 18-year-old geezer? Yes. Can your role go to Leo DiCaprio? No promises, but we'll audition you two together. That is why you're my best friend, Purse. But, so for real, do you not want to talk about it? I thought this Mac and bribery would do the trick. This whole thing was a little on the intense side. I promise I'll tell you everything after I get back to feeling more normal. But you and this deliciousness have helped a ton. Uh, just tell me one thing. What happened to those condoms I gave you? Oh, I'm so embarrassed. They're all still in the trunk of my car, along with a poster of Ireland, camping supplies, and a dead houseplant. So that moots out the details that were of most interest to me. 
At least I feel gratified that since you sought my help with what appears to have been ghost sex, you'll seek counsel for the real thing. Actual corporeal copulation. You mean the bona fide boner? Corporeal coitus. Alright, you know I hate that word. Corporeal? Oh no, coitus. That's coitus you don't like, right? Stop! What about you? Any material meat in your life? Nice one. In fact, there is a sausage in my breakfast buffet. What? Really? It was a near miss, though, Purse. I got out of his bed, and when my bare feet hit the floor, there was this crackling under them. Fingernails? No. Discarded body parts are an unrecoverable deal breaker. These were contact lenses. Disposable contact lenses. Dried up little specks of curled up plastic all over the floor. I grunt screamed, and he woke up. Was he totally mortified? No. He told me to man the fuck up and get back in bed. Uh, so I did, and I haven't left much. It's been a couple weeks now. A couple weeks? Kirby, for you, that's like marriage. I'm not pledging anything anytime soon, but he's alright. Just don't go moving into a treehouse together. Saturday, October 24th. Are you sure you're okay to go out there? Yeah. Remember, keep that gas mask on good and tight. I know. I'll only stay a few minutes. As Percy propelled her body along on crutches, a brisk wind bit her ears and whipped her hair. She looked up at the tree that held Fort Knox and was sure she was in the wrong place. Decades of weather had dilated and contracted the softening wood, slowly pulsing it around rusty nails and pushing them out millimeter by millimeter. The Fort Knox she had known was much closer to the sky. Its wide ladder reached high, but this one, the real one, was made of only seven boards that were sized to fit a small boy. All but two of these rungs had fallen to the ground with a thump that no one had been there to hear. The platform was full of holes, and three of the four walls had fainted against the tree's trunk. The fourth wall had held out for a more dramatic end, waiting some day for a strong gust of wind to push it to the ground. Despite having accepted that young Adam had been a hallucination, Percy held out one last hope. She leaned on one crutch and lifted the other above her head, then poked the corner where their cot had been, the corner where Adam had knocked on the floorboards to find the hollow hiding spot. She got ready to hop away, but when nothing happened, she poked again, then again harder, and then one last time with all she had. She heard a small crack and swung herself a couple steps back, but only a single board and some clumps of dirt fell to the ground. Percy used her crutch to poke around the debris in search of the glint of the gold coin that would prove her time with Adam had been real. But there was nothing. She looked at where their garden had been. Instead of sprawling cucumbers, perky strawberries, and climbing beans, there was a patch of oil-stained gravel. In the spot where their composting toilet had been stood a ramshackle outhouse. 
One more glance up at the treehouse made her wince. She thought she saw Adam peering down at her. Except he wasn't 18. He was five. That's how old her dad said he was when the Denville family moved away from this place. They'd fled because it was haunted, and now Adam was back as a ghost. She took her time returning to the car. Her dad jumped out to help her sit and then stowed her crutches in the back seat. You okay? Yeah. I just feel sad. And also embarrassed. Embarrassed? Oh, I feel embarrassed if you need to, Percy, but I have to admit I'm really impressed. And also jealous. To have had such a real experience. To have encountered a whole other world, time frame, and deep love. I know you're hurting, but what a strong mind you have. What a fierce heart. But I made it all up. None of it was real. Percy looked down at her hands and felt a surge of betrayal. Her mind had overlaid minimal action with completely false memories. There'd been no climbing, gardening, or loving. What, she'd sat around, wandered, like a zombie? It felt like her brain had double-crossed her, had taken her for a joyride. Her dad dug her out of her thought hole with a simple question. Was it not real? He paused until she looked at him. One could say, Percy, that real is just an agreement we make by drawing a line of averages through everyday occurrences. But real for you can be whatever you want it to be. Everything that happened to you was real for you. And the great opportunity you have now is to let that experience help you live this part of your life even more fully. You must realize the role of young Adam was played by a part of you. And what did he teach you about yourself? What did he give to you? It's hard to answer those questions if you deny his existence out of embarrassment. And to truly thank the real 82-year-old Adam for his friendship is to learn as much from your version of the young Adam as possible. You might be as crazy as I am. Sweetheart, where do you think you got it from? Love Makes Old New was written and produced by someone called Dora Henry. For more information and sound credits, visit lovemakesoldnew.wordpress.com. And if you like what you hear, please leave an iTunes rating. Thanks for listening. <laughs>